Hey everybody, it's the Hazy Adventure Podcast. Um, in this podcast, I want to say it's six or seven, um, whatever the case. Um, I wanted to try something a little bit different for this podcast. Um, a lot of people tell me that they're excited about my Hazy Adventures, Adventures of a Pothead um, book that I've been writing for several years now. And I'm going to give you a look. Give everybody a little bit of a sample of what I've been working on. Um, a lot of the things that I did write in this book was based off of real experiences that I had while I went to college. Um, I, I kind of fudged a little of the names in the in the story so that I can stay away from people getting mad at me, like in the best man for using their likenesses and whatnot. But nonetheless this is the story I can remember it like it was yesterday the sunny Saturday afternoon sky before leaving for college the clouds in the sky reminded me of how I would always try to create images in my mind from the clouds above in my mind I was seeing the essence of my grandmother as I was leaving the comforts of Los Angeles headed for college in Northern California Going to college five hours away would allow me the opportunity to experience life without my single parent mother. I was only 17 years old, but I was ready for the adventure ahead of me. After driving several hours down the highway, I started thinking about how everything was going to play out. What major would I pick? What group would I fit into? And who was going to be my roommate? San Jose State University was the college I was attending. This college had a very good reputation for producing alum with high paying jobs as well as known for being a party school. A nice mixture of business and pleasure went into the decision making of picking San Jose. Before deciding to go to college, I spoke with a former graduate of the school who told me what to expect from college life that was presented on campus. Reggie Hall was the freshman dormitory known for having a long history of diversity among incoming freshmen. Incoming freshmen were highly recommended to stay in Reggie Hall so that they can experience the full effects of university life. In my heart, I was taking the first steps in defining myself without my parent. It was two days before I would start my first day at San Jose State, which I like to refer to as Hash University. After daydreaming about what was to come, I started to notice that the sky that was sunny and bright when I left home was turning smoke gray. Surrounded by trees on both sides, I remember seeing a sign that said, Hash University, two X's away. Excited about the new experiences I thought I was going to have on my first day of college, I decided to push my foot firmly on the gas. As my speed increased from 68 miles per hour to 80 miles per hour, I saw a police officer flashing his lights behind me. Being accustomed to seeing police lights as a child, I was tempted not to stop. The police officer told me to pull over on the side of the road. I was just one exit away from my destination before I got pulled over. After pulling over on the side of the road, the officer approached my car. The Hispanic police officer asked did I know how fast I was going. I wanted to give an answer, but I wanted to see if he knew. I responded, I don't know how fast I was going. The officer then asked, where was I rushing to? I told him, Hash University. The strict-looking police officer face seemed to light up with excitement after hearing I was an incoming freshman. After telling me that he was a graduate of Hash University as well, he decided to let me go with a warning. 
Feeling relieved about this whole situation, I went on to exit the freeway on University Drive. As I approached Hash University, I couldn't help but notice a strange smell in the air. The strange smell in the air was very intoxicating. While being taken over by the intoxicating smell, I noticed several signs ahead of me. The signs were directing me to the freshman dormitory, Reggie Hall, which was located on the west wing of Hash University. Following all the road signs to Reggie Hall, I ended up in front of a brick building covered with purple leaves. After getting out the car, I quickly gathered the thing, everything from my car that I could fit into my two hands. While walking closer to the front entrance of the building, I noticed a table with the words, Freshman, come get your keys. After signing my name and showing my ID to the ladies that were running the table, they handed me my key. Eager about meeting my new roommate, I decided to walk towards room 106. While walking down the hall, I could not help but notice the same smell that seemed so strong outside seemed to get stronger as I walked past a door that was slightly cracked. From the cracked door, I heard loud rap music being blasted through the, through the room and hallways. While walking past the cracked door, someone yelled out the name Doobie, but I paid it no attention. Room 106 was a couple of doors down from the cracked door blasting the loud music. Soon I was standing in front of the door that would become my home for the next several months. Before entering the door, I thought about the name that I saw next to mine on the door sign-in sheet. The name Ashley Sapphire Stone was written next to mine. Not knowing what, not knowing my roommate's gender or race from the name I saw, I nervously put the key in the door. To my surprise, after opening the door, I noticed a large white male wearing a suit. From all the things that were posted on this side of the wall, it appeared that he had been in the room for a while. As soon as I opened the door, Ashley Sapphire Stone greeted me. Hi, you must be drilled. After saying he started, after he, after I said yes, he started introducing himself. My name is Ashley Sapphire Stone, but my friends call me Stone. The next door neighbor in a loud voice yelled out, no, we call you Ashley. Finding the interruption funny, I laughed a little bit. Trying to hold in my laughter and I tried to change the subject. I asked, how long have you been here at Hash University? He responded that this was also his freshman year. After asking how long he had been in Hash, I could not help but ask where did the name Ashley Sapphire Stone come from? He explained that his mother wanted a girl because a boy would remind her of his deadbeat dad. As a part of her not viewing him as his father, she named him Ashley Sapphire Stone. While Ashley was explaining his name, I could not help but notice a large red bong sitting on Ashley's desk. Seeing that I was distracted by the object, Ashley stopped talking and asked if I knew what that was. Not knowing what it was at first, I told Ashley I thought it was a vase. Seeming to find my statement amusing, Ashley laughed even harder than I did at the random outburst from the next door neighbor. After explaining to me that it was his bong named Big Red, I stood there in shock. Hearing stories about people that smoke from my mom led me away from people environments with drugs. During his explanation of how the bong worked, Ashley looked at his watch and said he was going to be leaving. The time was about 4.10 p.m. because I looked at my phone as well. Ashley seemed to be in a rush to get out of the room. Before he left out of the door, I asked where he was going and if there was going to be anything going on later on that night. 
Ashley responded by saying that he was going to his best friend's Roley apartment down the street and that there were going to be a kickback later on. Soon after Ashley left the room, I went back to my car to gather the rest of my things. While walking down the hall, I did not notice the same intoxicating smell that was present the first time I walked through Reggie Hall. The smell seemed to be covered up with a baby powder smell. As I approached my room, I felt like someone was behind me. When I turned around, I saw a very short Asian. The kid had on a black t-shirt that seemed to be covered in powder. We stared at each other for a moment before he asked if I saw his flock of flame anywhere. Being caught off guard by the short Asian kid with powder on his shirt and rude tone of voice, I told him I did not know what he was talking about. The short Asian kid said that that his name was Doobie, and then he asked if Ashley was in the room. After telling Doobie that Ashley had just left, he told me to tell Miss Ashley to bring his flock of flame to the kickback. While Doobie was walking back down the hall, I noticed that the same room that was blasting the loud rap music also had the intoxicating smell coming out of it. It belonged to Doobie. After Doobie walked back into his room, I started to put my things away. A couple hours passed before Ashley returned back to the room. Upon his return, I informed Ashley that Doobie came looking for his flock of flame. Ashley said that he would get it back tonight. I wanted to know what a flock of flame meant, so I asked, what was he talking about? Ashley said, you must not be from around here. Feeling lost about what he was talking about, I said I was not from around here. Ashley seemed to be in his own world while explaining to me that a flock of flame was that the flock of flame that Doobie was asking for was a lighter that he borrowed from him earlier. While we were both in the room, my new roommate seemed to be enjoying himself by looking at a weird poster on his side of the room. The poster was a picture of someone sitting on a bench smoking with the words brainstorming underneath the bench. Ashley sat at his desk looking at his poster and listening to music while destroying a whole box of dry cereal. Another couple of hours went by, then it was time to get ready for the kickback. After picking out an outfit, we both left the dorms to head to Casey's apartment for the kickback. Before arriving at the kickback, we stopped to pick up Ashley's best friend, Roley, from his apartment. Not knowing what to expect from a friend of Ashley Sapphire Stone, I eagerly looked to see who was going to walk down the steps of Vapor Hill's apartment complex. Much to my surprise, a very young-looking African-American male got into the car. Upon entering the car, Roley asked if anyone had a lighter. After myself and Stone said no, I reminded my roommate that he needed to bring Doobie's flock of flame. Ashley said that he forgot it. Then he said that little Asian fool can kiss my white ass. Finding the statement humorous, Roley started to laugh out loud. Ashley did not tell me much about Roley, only that he was notorious for crazy ideas and he loved to do one thing. He never told me what that one thing was, but as time went by, I certainly would come to find out. Roley asked if he was talking about the lighter that they used up earlier. Ashley said, yeah. Roley asked if they could stop at the liquor store to buy a cheap lighter. When Roley got into the car, I thought to myself how he must be a smoker just like Ashley was. From the front seat where I was sitting, I could notice that Roley was using a rolling object in his hand. After stopping at the liquor store and picking up a lighter, we drove three blocks down to Graham's Avenue. This is where the kickback was. Before entering Casey's apartment, I noticed the apartment number 0.5. 
never seeing a decimal point before a number it was weird but things got weirder once we walked through the door when we walked through the door there was a mixed crowd of people separated in two different areas some people were standing by a giant blue container that had punch in it while others were sitting at a table that had a whole bunch of di different desserts around it as we walked through the crowd of people, Roly stopped so we could say hi to Casey, the person who was having the kickback. Casey Cush was a fair complexion young lady with an outstanding body. She greeted me as if I knew her my whole life. Casey asked if I needed anything to ask her first. She also said if I wanted to drink, there was punch and there was food on the table. From this encounter with Casey, I could tell that she was a free spirit. After saying hi to Casey, Ashley asked if I was a drinker. I told him no. He then told me that if I was going to be able to survive here at Hash, I was going to have to pick out of the four things offered here at Hash University. He then explained my options. Either you're going to get addicted to four things while here. Sex, weed, drinking, or books, or a combination of all of them. As he gave me these narrow-minded options, I noticed that everyone except myself, Roly, and Ashley had cups in their hands. I asked Ashley what was in the punch, and he told me that I didn't want to know. While myself and Ashley were talking, Roly and Casey seemed to be having an interesting conversation. After Roly finished talking to Casey, he asked Ashley to go back to the car so that they could get boxy. Not knowing what boxy meant at the time, I asked another one of my newcomer questions. What is boxy? Roly asked if I smoked. I told him no. Then he told me to stay at the kickback. Before leaving, they said that he would come back in seven minutes. With both of the people I came with gone, I started to feel out of place. Just as those feelings started to come up, a pretty Asian girl approached me. She walked over to me with a brownie on a plastic plate. She gave it to me and told me to have fun, never wanting to turn down food. I ate it. After eating the first brownie, I walked over to the dessert table for another. Just as I reached out to grab another brownie, Doobie brushed up on the side of my knee. He asked if I seen my roommate. I said yes, he should be coming back any minute now. Standing next to Doobie was a 6'10 black guy who had on a t-shirt that had the letters OZ on the front. The tall person standing next to Doobie was a hooper on the basketball team. His large foot seemed to cover my whole shoe as he stood on my foot. All of the people I had met until this point had been friendly towards me except for these two people. This tall guy never shook my hand, just looked at me as he walked away. While walking away, I noticed the numbers 28.357 on his back of his shirt. I thought to myself, that must be a scoring average. When they walked away, OZ walked over to the giant container of punch and filled up three cups of punch, claiming that he was a big dude and he needed that much. After watching Doobie and Ozzy assume their positions on the wall, the pretty Asian girl told me not to pay Omar any attention. I asked who was Omar, who Omar was, and she said it was the taller guy standing next to Doobie. Omar Zips was the name of the tall basketball player. As I reached over to get another brownie bite, the young lady told me I must have enjoyed the first one. I said I did. Feeling different and comfortable, I asked her what her name was. She said her name was Tiva Dream. While trying to spark conversations, Roly and Ashley came back into the apartment smelling the same way the door, dorm hallways smelled when I moved in. They came over to me and said, Team Liftoff is back. 
just as I was finishing up my conversation with Tiva Dream, Doobie came up to Ashley and asked him where his flame was. Ashley told Doobie that he did not have it and that he would give it back to him later. Doobie insisted that he give it to him right that second. The conversation got heated and the high-pitched voice of Ashley got louder as well as the voice of Doobie. Casey Cush told both of them to leave since I came with Ashley. I had to stop my conversation with Tiva Dream. After leaving the party, we headed back to Ashley's car to leave. When we reached the car, it was filled with gray smoke. This is when I learned what boxing meant. As we got into the car, my body started to feel weird. I don't remember the whole ride back to Rolly's apartment. I do remember shortly after arriving at Rolly's house, my body started to feel weak and tired. My stomach started to hurt as the car stopped. Fearing I wouldn't be able to wait till I got to the dorms, I asked Roly if I could use his bathroom. He told me, yeah. So myself and Ashley both got out of the car. Before entering the apartment, Roly and Ashley were talking about a game that they didn't finish earlier. As we entered the apartment, Roly told me that the bathroom was three doors down the hallway. I walked down the hall and entered the bathroom. I sat down on a toilet. The bathroom was extremely clean. That's why I had no problem sitting on the toilet. On the side of the toilet was a bong similar to the one that Stone had on his desk in the dorms. After 10 minutes of sitting down without anything coming out, I got up and washed my hands and left the restroom. When I walked out of the restroom, Roly and Ashley were sitting on the living room couch playing a zombie shooting game. Both of them seemed to be in a zone, so I sat down on the sofa and watched them. As I watched them play, I couldn't help but feel drawn into the action that was happening on the screen. I almost felt as if I was a character in a game that they were playing. After four rounds of watching them play, I fell asleep on the couch. When I woke up in the morning, I did not even remember how I got to Roly's apartment. Roly must have gotten me a blanket because I was covered up. Ashley was asleep on the ground and Roly must have been in his room. Everything that happened the night before seemed unreal. All I could remember was the pretty Asian girl, Tiva Dream. I was talking to before we left the kickback. After everyone got up, we started to talk about the crazy night we had. I told them about my encounter with Omar Zips as well as the good brownies I ate. Both Ashley and Roly asked me if I smoked. I told them no. Then they went on to ask me why I ate a weed brownie then. After hearing I ate a weed brownie, they said, that's probably why you were so tired last night. Reflecting back on my night, I remember the feeling I remember feeling different during the party, but did not know I was high. As soon as I thought about being high, my mother's voice entered my head. Before leaving home, she told me not to get out here and lose my brain. I remember her showing me examples of the brain on drugs and how it would affect me. After feeling disappointed about what happened last night, I thought about Tiva Dream again. During the time I was reflecting, Roly got up and brushed his teeth and shouted out, Wake and bake. He then turned on a little machine that was sitting on his kitchen table. He asked Ashley, 300 or 350? Ashley said, Neither. Ashley must have known I was going to ask what he meant. So he told me that he were that we were going to use a vaporizer, the little machine that had a temperature gauge on it, as well as a tube hanging out of it. While the vaporizer was heating up, Roly told me that Tiva Dream only dates smokers. I then asked why. Then he explained that Casey Cush and Tiva Dream are best friends, 
Roley said he used to date Casey back in the back in high school and she would tell him things about Tiva Dream. Roley began to break down her her understanding of things because she does not like people judging her by something they do not do or understand, so she stays away from people that do not smoke. Ashley then went on to say that's probably why you guys were hitting it off last night because she's seen you were eating the weed brownies. During the reflection of yesterday's kickback, Roly yells out the vaporizer is ready. Both Ashley and I got up and walked over to Roly's kitchen table where the vaporizer was located. The little machine had blinking red and blue lights flashing. The red and blue lights flashing reminded me of the police lights I saw before arriving at Hash University. The feeling, the sense I was Feeling the sense I was about to do something I wasn't supposed to, I asked, what does the machine do? Roley grabs the plastic tubes and starts inhaling. The smooth talking Roley said that the vaporizer takes all the THC out of the weed. THC, I said out loud. Ashley said, that's what makes you feel high feeling when people smoke. The chemical that they told me about sounded dangerous, but it did not stop me my mind from being intrigued after Roly finished taking a couple deep breaths from the plastic tube he then handed the tube to stone my roommate took a couple deep breaths from the vape then he passed the tube to me from my observation the mist that they were inhaling and exhaling seemed to be a lot different than the smoke that i seen coming from people that smoke cigarettes before i put the plastic tube to my mouth Roly said that it would only make me feel comfortable and make me hungry that was all I needed to know before I put the plastic tube in my mouth and started inhaling the strange mist. After a couple of deep breaths, I passed the tube back to Roly. Before the long, the tube was back on me again. My, be my body began to feel brand new. Soon after we stopped using the vape, Roly told us that he was going to go get something to eat from Munchie's Cafe. The cafe was located in the middle of Hash University. We were all hungry, so we left Roly's apartment and headed to the Munchie's Cafe. As we walked through the university, I could not help but notice the same intoxicating smell that seemed to be associated with the university. As we got closer to Munchie's Cafe, I noticed signs promoting their famous two for 15 deal. Two joint burgers, fries, and a drink seemed to make me even hungry as we approached the front door of Munchie's Cafe. The joint burger that was advertised was a combination of hot dog and hamburger. While waiting for the order to come, Ashley looks at his watch and notices Notice that it was 3 p.m. Ashley then asks Roly if they had any more weed for Bob. Who is Bob? Is what I said. Then they explained to me that they smoke every day at 4.20 for Bob Marley. Roly said they had put the rest of the marijuana in the vape for the wake and bake. After sitting for, uh, after sitting for a while eating, Roly comes up with the idea that he could call Den Dog and get some marijuana. Ashley said, I hope he answers the phone. Den Dog, who I will come to find out, had chronic joint pains in his hands, which sometimes inhibited, inhibited him from answering his phone. Roly called Den Dog, and much to his surprise, he answered the phone. After hanging up the phone, we all finished eating and headed to Den Dog's apartment. Located in Purple Hills Apartment Complex, Den Dog was not just a regular drug dealer. Upon opening the door, I saw an older Jamaican man answer the door. This older man had dark shades on that seemed as if he couldn't see. After inviting us in, I began looking around. 
on our way to the living room, there were yes on Prop 19 posters on this wall. Then Dog brought us to his living room where he told us to stay until he came back. When he came back into the living room, he asked Roly how that joint roller was working out. Then Dog gave Roly a joint roller to stop him from getting the disease that he now suffers from. As a result of Den Dog's chronic joint pains, he was given a medical marijuana card for his chronic joint pains in his hands. When I asked how did he get the chronic joint pains, he said, because I roll up too much. Trying to wrap my mind around what was happening, Den sat, sat three medical containers on the table. Blue Dream, Kim Dog, and Mango Kush were their names on the medicin bottles. Roly picked up all three bottles and started to smell and analyze the marijuana that was in them. While everything was going on, I did not think Den Dog noticed I was even the one asking him question, questions. Den Dog asked who I was. Stone answered the question for me. He is my new roommate, Ashley responded. Then Den Dog asked if I smoked. I responded, as of today I do. Den smiled and laughed. Then he asked another question. What type of smoker are you going to be? Then he explained my choices. Either you will be a freeloader the $5 man or the Swisher guy. I said I do not want to be none of, the, none of them. If you start smoking, you're going to be all of those things at one time or another, Dan said. Every time after this encounter with Dan, he would give me three options of things I could be as a smoker. After getting the marijuana, we headed back to Roley's apartment. During the walk back to Vapor Hills, Roley received a phone call from Casey Cush. After getting off the phone, Roly informed myself and Ashley that Casey was sorry about kicking us out the night before. She also asked if we wanted to come over and smoke kooka with her and Tiva. Without hesitation, I said yes because I wanted to see Tiva again. We all agreed to go smoke at Casey's house. We walked back to Roly's apartment where we got into Ashley's station wagon. The ride to Casey's house seemed much shorter during the day. Soon we were back in front of the apartment where we were kicked out of the night before. We knocked on the door and Tiva answered the door. She was wearing a white t-shirt with a picture of Bob Marley on the front. She seemed very excited as we walked through the door. Casey Cush was sitting in the living room putting together a tall metal object. We all sat down in the living room and began to talk. I asked Casey what she was doing and she said she was putting together the hookah. I had never seen a hookah before in person, so I was excited to find out what it was. Before we started using the hookah, Tiva asked me to retrieve a coal off of the stove. I walked into the kitchen and grabbed the hot coal off of the stove. On the walk back to the living room, the coal slipped out of the grips of the tongs that I was using to hold the coal. The coal fell into the carpet, burning a hole in Casey's white carpet. After watching the coal, the coal fall, I tried to pick it up with my hands, which turned bad because the coal was still hot. I juggled the hot coal in my hands before letting it go a second time. The second time the coal broke into smaller pieces burning holes throughout the living room. I scrambled to pick up every piece. After picking up all of the coal, the white carpet had black holes scattered around the living room. Roly seemed to be amused by me frantically trying to pick up all the burning pieces. After Picking the pieces up, I offered to pay for all of the damages that I caused, but even Casey seemed to be amused by my attempts to make everything okay. She laughed and said it was okay. Feeling the effects of burning coals on my hands led, me, led myself to the bathroom where I tried to wash the black coals off of my hands. 
After exiting the bathroom, everyone was still in the living room talking about having high talk while smoking hookah. They all let me know that high talk was when everyone had the chance to ask a question that always puzzled their mind. The individuals who didn't ask the question had to think of an answer for the question. When they, when they explained the game, I already had a question that I wanted to ask. Another coal was lit and put on top of the hookah. Soon after the coal was placed on top of the hookah, the conversation started. Roly, who was sitting next to TV Dream, started the conversation. He took a deep breath from the hookah and asked, Why are we not smoking weed right now? While having high talk. Tiva said they did not have any. Casey, who was sitting next to Tiva, said we were doing something different. Stone said, we got some. Before I was able to answer the question, Roly had already sparked up a joint. And it was lit. The words you already know came out of his mouth before excitedly lighting the joint up. No longer were we passing the hookah around. Tiva Dream handed the joint, the joint, but passed it to Casey because she didn't, because she had to work around kids and she couldn't be high while she was at work. She still asked a question before passing the joint down. Her question was simple: Why do guys watch nasty movies? Casey answered the question by saying, "Because they're nasty." Stone said it was motivational. Motivational seeing someone getting tore up in his words gave him the motivation to do more. I had never watched a whole porno before, so I said I didn't watch them. Tiva looked at me with a surprised look before she called me a liar. She assumed all boys watched nasty movies, and I told her, not me. Roly, who was next, said that porno movies showed him that women were just as nasty as men. Next, it was Casey's turn to ask a question. She took a hit from the joint and asked, why love can't be easy? Stone said life isn't easy, so you can't expect for love to be simple. I said if everything was easy, it would take the fun out of life. You have to know bad before you know what's good. Roly simply put it, I'm a complex person, and I know other people that are complex. Two complex people can't be simple when they get together. As the joint found its way to Stone's hands, the most unlikely question came out of his mouth. Why can't straight men embrace their softer side without being called gay or fag? The question surprised me, maybe because I didn't know where he was trying to go with the question. As soon as he asked the question, I started to daydream about Ashley standing over me while I was asleep. It was my turn to answer Stone's question, but I couldn't think of anything to say. I passed on answering the question. Roly was staring at Ashley with a clueless look on his face. He then then he asked what he was referring to. Stone said, never mind. After Ashley asked his question, the game seemed to stop. Everyone seemed really high except Tifa Dream, who had only been smoking the hookah. The conversation lasted until it got to me before Casey Cush asked us where we were going to attend Secret Saturday the next Secret Saturday next weekend. Rully said, of course, I'm going to be there. Stone said he did not remember the last Secret Saturday. Tiva said this time it was going to get videotaped. Feeling left out of the conversation, I asked, what was Secret Saturday? Tiva explained to me it was the one day out of the year that all the weed smokers, smokers in the city got together. 
in her word choice to blow it down. After telling me about the day, Tiva Dream looked at the clock and realized it was time for her to go to work. She quickly gathered all her stuff and asked Casey for a ride to work. Rolly Stone and myself left after hearing about their plans of leaving. The time was only five o'clock and all I felt like and I felt like I had been up all day. My eyes felt heavy and my body felt weak. Without me having to say anything, Rolly said he needed a nap. Ashley drove Rolly home and we went back to Reggie Hall. On a ride back to Reggie Hall, Stone asked me did I have a channel. The channel he was referring to was a social network where students communicate using only video chat. All of your friends were able to upload videos upload videos to all of their friends channels stone said that all the college kids that live here at hash university have one when we got back to the dorms i decided to make one stone said i should find tiva dream and add her channel but i didn't request her that night all the partying from the last couple of days led me away from even seeing what time my first class started on monday morning after checking the school website, I found out that my first class started at 7.30 a.m. The time was only 10 p.m. when I fell asleep. My good sleep was interrupted when my dorm walls started vibrating. The bass from someone's speaker was shaking our entire room. I looked at the time on my cell phone and it was 6.40 a.m. Ashley looked over me as I was waking up but seemed to ignore the music and fell back to sleep. As I was getting ready for my first day of class, I still felt the effects of the last two days. To my surprise, I still felt high. Upon leaving the room, I noticed once again that the loud bass that was shaking the walls was coming from Doobie's dorm room. As I walked down the hall past Doobie's room, he asked what class I was on my way to. I told him creating a meaningful life. To my surprise, we had the same class in Bud Long Hall. We ended up walking to class together. During the walk to class, he told me that the lighter that he let Ashley borrow belonged to his father, and it was given to him before his death. The walk back to class was not that bad after all. In front of Bud Long Hall was OZ, who was standing in front of the building bouncing the basketball. From the kickback, it seemed as if he did not care for me that much. I remained quiet as Doobie and OZ exchanged greetings. When I walked into class, there were not a lot of seats available. As I looked around the room, I saw an opening in the back of the class. Five minutes went by before Doobie, OZ, and Tiva Dream came walking through the door. Tiva came in and took a seat right next to me. Doobie and OZ sat on the other side of her. Finally, our teacher walked through the wooden doors. From the appearance of the teacher, it seemed as if he had been a hippie at one time or another. The white-bearded man walked in and introduced himself. His name was Barry Swisher. After hearing his name, Doobie yelled out, sweet. The class erupted with laughter, but I seemed to be the only one who didn't get the joke. Even the teacher found it to be humorous. I, on the other hand, sat there with a lost look on my face. The next words out of the teacher's mouth was, yeah, I smoked in my past. Tiva Dream said, I like him already. Roley's conversation on the reasons why Tiva Dream likes smokers entered my brain. Mr. Swisher told the class that we would be breaking up into groups so that we can learn more about each other. All of the members in my group were people that I already met, Doobie, OZ, and Tiva Dream. The class was given four questions to ask the group and then we were supposed to pick one student that would summarize all of the group's response. 
When the class split into groups, Mr. Swisher wrote the questions on the board. Name, career, choice, hobbies, and four, what does creating a meaningful life mean to everyone? Before anyone had the chance to speak, Ozzy insisted that Tiva Dream be the one to talk for the group. Miss Dream, as I would later call her, took on the responsibility of writing down all the responses for the group. The first person to speak was Doobie. Everyone already knows my name, so my career choice is business management. My hobbies include playing basketball, listening to music, and you already know. The statement, you already know, was very popular among university residents. It was meant to mean smoking weed, but it was understood by the statement, you already know. Creating a meaningful life for Doobie meant providing for him and his sister. Ozzy was the next person who went. His career choice was NBA player. His hobby included playing basketball, video games, and creating a meaningful life meant going to the NBA and becoming a star. The next person to go was myself. I told the group that my hobbies included playing basketball, video games, and creating a meaningful life meant dying for something I believed in. I did not give a major because I was still undecided as to what I wanted to do. The last person to go was Tiva Dream. She seemed to be upset while taking down all of the information. Before she had the chance to respond to the question, I asked her what was wrong. She said yesterday after she left for work, her boss tweeted that he was going to fire her. I asked how she was doing. Miss Dream said that she was going to relax and get back to being the person she was before the job. I didn't know what that meant by that statement, but soon I would find out what she meant by the person she used to be. The class ended early since it was the first day. When the class was over, I was surprised when OZ invited me to play basketball at the school gym. I said I had a busy day, but I could play the next day, and he said, all right. On my way back to Reggie Hall, I saw Roley in the center of campus sitting on some benches. I walked up to him and asked, what was he about to do? And he said his phrase, you already know. Roley said he, he tried to call Dog, but he didn't answer the phone. He said he knew someone else, but the only thing is the guy guy's weed is weak. I didn't know the difference between good and bad weed, so I asked, did it matter? Roley gave me a look that made me think I just asked the stupidest question ever. Roley asked what I was about to do, and I said nothing, just going back to Reggie Hall. He said, walk with him and go pick up some weed from the dude named Stress. On the way back to Reggie Hall, I told Roley that OZ invited me to play basketball. He said he must have a plan for me then. I asked why. He said, because he's not a nice person. So for him to invite you somewhere, you should keep your guard up. Soon we were inside Reggie Hall, but this time we were... we walked past my dorm room. We stopped in front of room 4-0. Roley knocked on the door and an Indian guy answered the door. The Indian guy was wearing red glasses and looked as if something was wrong with him. Roley asked him for an eighth and the dude said he didn't have that much draw on him. He ended up getting $20 worth of stress. After leaving Stress's room, we walked back to my dorm room down the hall. Stone was still sleeping when he walked into the room. Roley opened the container that was given to him by Stress and put it under the nose of Sleeping Stone. The smell from the container must have set off an internal alarm in Ashley's head. He woke up and asked, what were we going to do? Roley asked if I could go get some sweets from the store. I said, okay. 
I walked to the campus market and grabbed a couple of candy bars and something to drink. When I walked back into Reggie Hall, Roly had already broken down the weed and was ready until I came back with the wrong type of sweets. In my first class, people laughed out loud when Doobie said sweet, but I still had no idea until Roly informed me he was not talking about candy. Ashley told Roly that he had some king-size rolling papers in his dresser drawer. Roly quickly rolled up a joint, but before he got the chance to light it up, Ashley said it was no smoking in Reggie Hall. There were signs throughout Reggie Hall that said no smoking, no drinking, but still people ignored the signs if they did not exist. Still, Ashley seemed to be very paranoid about smoking in the dorms. We ended up leaving and going to Roly's apartment. The second time going to Roly's apartment seemed different than when we were there the day before. Upon entering the apartment, Roly had several posters of himself smoking on the walls. The posters were blown up to life size. We all sat in his living room. Set around, uh, we all sat in the living room around Roly's round table. On the table was an ashtray in the same bone that was in Roly's bathroom when I was there two nights ago. The joint was sparked and we started to pass it around. As the smoke began to fill the room, Roly's fire alarm went off. The alarm was right above his round table. We all scrambled to turn the, off the alarm. I grabbed a pillow off the couch and began swinging at the alarm. I ended up knocking the bong off of the table. When the alarm finally, finally went off, Roly's bong was broken into two pieces. The broken bong was given to Roly by Ashley when he came to college last year. Roly tried to not seem mad about the broken bong, but it was written all over his face. I felt the animosity in the air, so I left the apartment soon after I broke the bone. On my way back to the dorm room, I ran into OZ and Doobie in the hallway of Reggie Hall. They asked if I could help them use a beer bone that they needed three people for. The third person was needed to hold the bong in the air so that they could both could drink from the two nozzles. I said okay and walked into Doobie's room. Before doing the beer bone, I asked them, did they know that there was no drinking or smoking in the dorm? They quickly informed me that it's only not permitted if they get caught. The dorm room door was shut. There were three chairs in the middle of the room. OZ said I need to stand on one of the chairs so that the beer could flow down. I stood on top of the chair and held the bong filled with beer. With both of the nozzles in their mouth, they began to drink the beer as if it was water. My mother would never be seen drinking beer, but I never had any for myself. Just as, my, just as they finished their first round of their beer race, they asked if I wanted to race. I told them I had never had beer before, but they said that I wouldn't even taste it. This was all the convincing I needed before I was sitting down in the chair. Ozzy said he would race me. Doobie stood on a chair and filled the bong with beer. Doobie said go and we start to suck down the sud filled liquid. As we finished the nasty beer, Doobie informed OZ that he had basketball practice later. With the bloodshot eyes, OZ informed Doobie he was not even supposed to be drinking today. OZ quickly gathered his things and stumbled out of the dorm room. Before leaving, he asked if I was still going to be playing basketball with him the next day. I told him yes, and the drunk OZ was off to basketball practice. Then it was myself and Doobie left in the room. The next words out of Doobie's mouth was OZ left.
when OZ left was, do you like my sister? I asked, who was your sister? And he said, Tiva Dream. They both were Asians, but I did not think they were related. I told him that she was very attractive. He told me that he could tell by the way I was looking at her in class earlier in the day. To make things work, he also said himself and OZ both picked up on my attraction to Tiva Dream. After telling him of my attraction to his sister, he told me that OZ and Tiva Dream used to date a couple months ago. Just as those words left his mouth, the room started to spin. My head began to hurt and I felt like I was going to throw up. Doobie seemed to sense that there was something wrong with me and said, as soon as the room starts spinning fast, go to sleep. Go to sleep as fast as possible. Doobie walked me down to my room and I went to sleep. When I woke up, I was all by myself in the dorm room. The time was 3.50 p.m. when Stone finally walked back into the room. When he walked back through the door, he asked if I knew where Big Red was. I had not seen it. My head was pounding as Stone explained that Roly was not mad at me for breaking his bomb. He asked if I wanted to go with them later on the day to pick up another bomb. I did not hear everything that he was saying. I shook my head as I fell back to sleep. The next morning, there was no loud music blasting through the halls to wake me up. Instead, a missed phone call from my father. When I woke up, I called him back. He had a bad dream that gave him a bad feeling about the day. His message was clear. Stay focused and keep away from the wrong people. My father's words were short-lived after I realized I was late for my math class. I was running 10 minutes late for class. When I finally reached the entrance of Hemp Hall, I saw Roly walking into the same classroom I was running late for. The teacher had already started his lecture when I walked into the classroom. Standing in front of the classroom was Jack Starr. This was his first year teaching at Hash University. He was a young white male who wore a different baseball hat to class every day. Math was one of my favorite subjects in high school, I, and I was sure that college would be no different. Roley was sitting in front of the classroom taking notes as I walked in. After the class was over, Roley did not seem mad that I broke his bomb. We talked, and after the class, he said he might go play basketball today. I told him that I was going to go play after my English class. My next class was in Bombay Hall. When I walked into class, I saw Stone sitting in the middle of the class. I walked over and took a seat right next to him. English was my least favorite class in high school, and I was sure it was going to be the same for college. The class seemed to go by rather fast. Soon it was time to go play basketball at the school gym. The school gym was called the hot box because it was extremely hot inside the working out area. As I walked through the gym to the basketball area, I saw Roley already shooting the ball. The open gym for the basketball team did not start until 2.30 p.m., but it was just 1.40 when Doobie, OZ, and Tiva Dream came walking in. I was not nervous until I saw I would be playing in front of Miss Dream. OZ did not know that Roley was coming to play. Doobie asked Roley why was he in the gym. Roley says someone told him he was getting out of shape, so he came to get a workout. There were only five of us in the gym. Since Tiva was not going to play, we decided to play two-on-two. Two. Myself and Roley against OZ and Doobie. Roley did not seem like he played basketball, but my assumptions would come to be wrong. He decided to guard OZ. 
The much taller OZ laughed when he saw who was going to try to guard him. Doobie took the ball out and gave it to OZ. Roley shifted his body to the left, forcing OZ to use his left hand. The dribbling skills of OZ seemed to be limited, limited him to only using his right side of the court. However, Roley did not let him use his dominant hand. The results of his defense seemed to upset the Hash University basketball star. OZ tried to use his size to his advantages, but nothing seemed to be working for him. When Roley and I finally got the ball, we, we used my size advantage over Doobie to score half of our points. The other half of the points were scored by Roley, who was taking advantage of his quickness. It was game point for us when temper started to fly. As Roley started to drive past OG, he was called for a travel just as he was scoring the winning layup. The layback Roley seemed to light up when he heard the word travel. He did not say anything to OZ. He only looked and smiled as he gave the ball to him. Doobie took the ball out and gave it to OZ. The big man tried to force his way to the hole, but Roley seemed to be ready. Roley ended up taking the ball from him as he was trying to do a layup. As a result of him forcing his way to the hole, he fell. When Roley took the ball out of o, um, took the ball from OZ, when Roley took the ball, OZ said the Roley had fouled him. In my eyes, it didn't seem as if OZ was faking the foul. We reluctantly gave the ball back, the ball right back to OZ's hands. When he tried to shoot a deep three that would have given him the win, the shot was badly missed, and I grabbed the rebound. I passed the ball out to Roley for a mid-range jumper. We won the game, but OZ fell down after missing the shot. The big man stayed down as Roley made the wide-open jumper. He was grabbing his ankle and acting as if he was in severe pain. Roley offered to help pick up OZ off of the floor, but stopped once the star angrily looked at his out-extended hand. TV told OZ to stop acting childish about losing. OZ used the excuse that he was still drunk from yesterday, which led to his bad play. Roley said, I'm high right now and I play fine. That's just an excuse. The heated conversation between Roley and OZ transitioned to who could smoke more during Secret Saturday. OZ thought he could take on Roley in a smoking competition. Both of them agreed that during Secret Saturday, there would be a time set aside where OZ and Roley would challenge each other in a face-off. The face-off was when two people tried to finish rolling and smoking a joint the, fattest, um, the fastest. It was very amusing at both it was very I was very amused at both of them having a smoking competition until OZ said it should be a team event. The team event included myself, Roley, taking on Doobie and OZ in a face off. Just as OZ was introducing the idea of the face off, the basketball coach walked into the gym. He urged Roley and myself and Doobie and Tiva out of the gym because of basketball practice. After leaving the hot box, Roley and I met up with Stone we all met up to go to the smoke shop to get Roley a new bong. 420 Smoke Shop was located on the outer rim of Hash University. When I walked into the smoke shop for the first time, I was surprised to see all the objects used for smoking weed. 420 Smoke Shop specialized in creative smoking pieces. While looking through the enormous collection of bongs, Roley set his sights on a gas mask. The gas mask was a strap-on your face mask with a bong tube attached to it. After a quick observation, Roley um, purchased the gas mask. The gas mask came with a carrying bag to disguise the look of the object. 
While at the smoking shop, Stone got Doobie's lighter refilled. After leaving the smoke shop, Roly insisted that they use the gas mask as soon as possible. The time was almost 4.20 before Roly eagerly dialed Den Dog's number. Den picked up the phone and told us to come over to his house. While walking to Den's house, Roly and Stone told Roly told Stone about the smoking competition between himself and OZ. Stone laughed and told Roly that he was crazy for allowing myself to be pulled into one of his crazy plans. Roly ensured that everything would be fine. I was not eager to compete in a smoking competition. After the conversation in the morning with my father, it seemed as if I was doing the complete opposite and staying away from trouble. Just as we were reaching the steps of Vapor here, I told him that I was going to go back to the dorm room. The two of them did not ask me any question. I left them and I went back to the dorm room. When I reached the dorm room, I checked my emails as well as my channel to see if anything had popped up. Much to my surprise, when I checked my channel, I had a video message from Tiva Dream. In the message, she asked, what was, was, what was going to be my question for high talk? I messaged her back and saying, I always wonder why smoking weed is perceived as being a bad thing. A response to my question quickly followed. Tiva explained laws that were created to stop people from smoking added to the bad reputation of weed. The tone of the conversation switched when she asked if I wanted to accompany her on her 5 a.m. morning run. I told her that it would still be dark outside. She said running while the sun was raising was one of the most peaceful things in her eyes. I told her yes. She said we were going to meet at the bottom of Hash Hill. Hash Hill was a mountain range behind Hash University that had running trails. Stone returned later on back in the dorm room. He told me about the experience of smoking out of the gas man and how his eyes were burning because of all the smoke. I told him that Tiva wanted me to go running with her in the morning. As the sky turned black, I noticed that Stone was still looking for his bomb, knowing that I needed to go to sleep early, go to sleep early if I was going to wake up and be ready at 5 a.m. I fell asleep only to wake up to someone knocking on my dorm room window. It was Miss Dream trying to wake me up. When I finally got up, I noticed that I had several messages and missed calls. My phone was on silent, so I never felt or heard the phone go off. When I got dressed and walked outside, she was standing in front of my building, waiting on a bench of the outside smoking area. I was asked if I was ready to get it in, which was her way of saying, let's get active. Soon I found myself running through what seemed to be, what seemed at the time to be a riverbed. Staying on the trail, I noticed that the sun was starting to break through the tree leaves. Soon we started running uphill, accustomed to working out. I didn't start to get tired until we reached the middle of the hill. Miss Dream never stopped to see if I was running behind her. She never stopped running. When she made it up to the top of the hill, she looked back and saw that I was struggling and out of breath. I walked up the remainder of the hill. At the top of the hill was a bench that allowed us to see the whole city. The view was magnificent. On the side of the hills were benches so that people could sit and overlook the city. This was her favorite place to be. From this view, she was on top of the world and everyone seemed so small. While on top of the world, she could see the clarity of her life and the road ahead of her. 
We sat down and watched the sunrise. As we were watching the sky, she pulled out a blunt from the inside of her hair bun. I told her about how I would always try to find images in the clouds. She also was a person who did this, but also used to see what she could see from the smoke she exhaled from smoking. Watching the smoke change in the air was an enjoyment of hers, which could explain her hookah habit. This woman was mystical and seemed free from the judgment of others. However, what I would later come to find out is that while seeming to have it all figured out, she was secretly hurting. My job, school, life are all moving in different directions. Trying to find peace of mind amongst unfortunate situations is a very tall task. One day at a time was the message I tried to relay. Seeming to be stuck and watching the cars on the road, I told her that we needed to get back because we had class. We walked slowly down the hill as well as through the riverbed. When we finally made it back to the dorm, the sun was shining and the purple leaves started to make the sidewalk look lavender. After saying, I'll see you in class, I ran down the hall to my room to get dressed. Stone was sitting Indian style in the middle of the room when I entered. He was meditating, which was something I never seen someone do in person. After class, we have to start training for the face-off. What did I have to prepare for was my response. If you never faced a joint before, you could be the reason why you and, Lu- um, you and, Ro- uh, you and Roly lose. I didn't want to lose. So I said I would meet up at Roly's apartment after class. Class went by fast. Don't even think I heard what the professor had to say until the idea of presentation in front of the class was brought up. We needed to bring in a poster board with pictures of the things we wanted to do with our lives. The class ended as I was walking out of the class. I noticed OZ walking to the university doctor's office. After falling down during our game, he ended up tweaking something in his knee. On crunches, OZ limped away but did not let me forget that even though he was injured, we were still going to lose regardless on Secret Saturday. When I arrived at Roly's apartment, both Stone and Roly were discussing ways to boost my tolerance level. We should just make him go through an eighth by himself or maybe he needs to start taking dabs. I was lost at the time. I didn't know what they were trying to achieve by boosting my tolerance. Roly insisted that we take a drive in order to figure out a way to win the contest. Do you even know how to roll? I said, roll? Roll what? He looked at Stone and said, this is going to be a hard one. We got into Stone's car and proceeded to drive around the city. We needed to get weed and blunts. An attempt to contact Dendog was made, but no answer this time around. We were already too far to get anything from stress in the dorm, so we had to get weed from Ethel. Ethel was a small-time drug dealer and local rapper who always seemed to be around. As we drove through the city, we ended up in a part of San Jose that reminded me of Los Angeles. Graffiti walls and broken down streets. We stopped in front of a rundown apartment building. Roly said he was going in for just a second, but Stone said he didn't want to wait in the car in this neighborhood. We all got out the car and walked up two flights of steps. When we arrived on the second floor, there was an apartment sliding door that was left open. As we walked through the sliding door, a pit bull came running from the hall hallway. 
The dog did not appear to be friendly. The dog ran directly into Roley and knocked him on the floor. Ethel walked in soon after. He was a black guy with colored dreads. His dog loved Roly, and the knocking Roly off his feet was a part of the game that they would play with each other. Roly later informed me that Ethel and him used to play on the same basketball team in high school and that their paths in life just went two different ways. What's up, nigga? How can I help you? Stone wasn't black by a long shot, but he didn't even flinch as Ethel greeted him as a nigga. I I stayed quiet and only watched as they exchanged greetings. We were supposed to be in and out, but everyone seemed to be drawn into this of how Ethel's dog survived being hit by a car. The conversation ended when Ethel said he needed to be dropped off at the university frat house. He offered to smoke us out if we took him back to campus. Before leaving, Ethel, before leaving, Ethel rolled up a blunt, and as soon as we got in the car, he sparked it. The weed smelled musty in a good way. Ethel started another story of how he was talking to this fine girl, and just as he was ashing the blunt out, um, out the car window, the blunt fell out of his hand. The wind had gotten the best of the blunt that day. Understanding that he had committed a party foul, he gave us a fistful of weed that he had in his pocket. Soon we were in front of one of the many black fraternity houses on campus. Ethel got out of the car and told us, to stay up. Still nothing to smoke out of. Stone asked Roley if I had money for a suite, in which Roley responded with, nah. I remember that Roley just bought a gas mask, and I told him, why don't we just use the gas mask? Roley seemed to be surprised by my remark, said, I was wow, but he was down. Pulling up to Roley's apartment, he excitedly got out of the car and ran up the steps. When he exited back out of the apartment, he had his gas mask and his carrying bag. Roly got in the car and brought out the mask. Do y'all want to drive somewhere and sit, or do y'all want to drive while doing the gas mask? These people sound like they were planning to die. I just wanted to do the gas mask, not die while using the gas mask. Stone appeared to look concerned, said, fuck it. I trust you. I never said a word. We drove. And then Stone started packing the bong for Roly. When we reached an open highway stretch, Roly started to put on the gas mask while driving. The gas mask makes you panic if you have a fear of being claustrophobic. Nonetheless, he strapped the mask on and proceeded to take deep breaths. His whole face was filled with smoke before taking the mask off. It was Stone's turn and he tried his hardest to look cool while the mask was on but started crying after he finished. Smoke in the eyes was a serious problem with the gas mask. Next it was my turn. I put the mask on and started panicking. Calm down, control your breathing were all the things that were said to me before lighting the context of the bulb. My face felt hot and I made the mistake of trying to keep my eyes open, which only enhanced my fear of closed in, being closed in spaces. When I took the mask off, I could not stop smelling the scent of weed. It was on my face, as well as in the car, music blasting and not worrying about anything going on around us. A police car flashed its lights behind us. I have to admit, I was scared, and I was thinking the worst. Roly, however, did not seem to be concerned with the police at all. As he was pulling over on the side of the road, he told Stone to open up the glove box. Sitting 
in the glove box was an insurance paper as well as a single cigarette. He instructed Stone to light the cigarette and smoke it as we slowed down. The air conditioner was turned on and all three of us looked as, looked as if all the blood vessels were busted in our eyes. When the officer approached the driver's side of the car, Roley asked the officer what was going on. Turns out this was the same officer who had stopped me when I first made it to Hash University. After seeing who the officer was, I knew for a fact that we were about to go to jail. He let me go with a warning last time, so I knew in my heart that this time I was going down. Much to my surprise, really knew the officer as well. I was stopping you because I saw you driving and I wanted to say hi. I thought this was a weird place on I thought I, I thought this was the weirdest place on earth when the police would just stop you just to say hi. The police officer must have knew something was up because he said, I see you. That preparation, like I told you, the preparation the officer was talking about was lighting a cigarette before stopping the car. Officer Mars, as his name tag read, said he knew damn well Roley wasn't smoking a damn cigarette. Everyone in the car started laughing to their core hurt. We all let go without, we all, we were let go without warning. After taking off, I asked if Roley knew everyone at San Jose. He said, either I know someone or they know about me. Finally, we stopped driving and Roley decided to pull over and see if he could find a dollar in between the seats of his car. He looked and eventually found a dollar. We headed to a smoke shop to get a sweep. When we walked into the smoke shop, Roley brought the sweets since he was a year older than us. A three-pack and they a three-pack and they they threw the box in my lap. What am I supposed to do with this? They said, you need to practice rolling. I was already higher than I had ever been, but still I was trying to get higher. My first attempt at rolling the blunt was horrible. Could not get the paper to bend to my will. Super frustrating. Both of them laughed after I produced my first blunt after 10 minutes. It was loose, wet, and also had holes in it. It was not smokable. I was instructed to watch a video of Tupac rolling the blunt. The short video is what I needed. By the third attempt at rolling, I found out what I was doing wrong. I was excited when I finally produced a smoke, um, produced a smokable blunt. We were on our way back to the dorms when we saw multiple police vehicles outside our dorms. Once inside the dorms, there were a lot of police officers standing in the hallways. They were conducting room checks because they got a tip that someone was hiding things that they were prohibited in the dorms. Since Reggie Hall was for freshmen, drugs of any kind were not taken lightly. As we walked through our hallway, we saw that the police were inside of Doobie's room. Quickly walking past the cops, we entered our room. I knew my whole body surely smelled of weed because of the car ride. I reluctantly began to panic. Everything that my mom tried to instill was going to come to an end that night. Three loud bangs on the door. It was the police. Open up. The door slowly opened as Stone unlocked the door and sat down on his bed. The university police said that they, that there was a report that someone was selling alcohol to underage freshmen. I was relieved because after this short week, I knew I did not even drink nor my roommate, so we were in the clear. However, the police searched our room anyway. 
as we stood on the outside of the room while the officer went through our belongings. My paranoia mind started to overreact when the officer started pulling out Stone's weed box. Several pipes as well as rolling papers were found. When the officer looked underneath Stone's bed, they found a bottle of Everclear in a black bag towards the head of the bed. Myself and Stone both looked at each other because I did not think that he was a drinker. He did not understand why the bottle was under his bed as well. Campus police asked who the bed, who bed it was and after confirming that it was Stone's side of the room, they ex escorted him out of the building. I did not see Roly or Stone the next day on campus. My room was quiet and in my opinion a little too quiet. I thought about what happened the day before and how my roommate seemed to get in trouble for something he wasn't even into. Floating through Crabbe's campus, I ran into Ethel in front of the campus cafeteria. He informed me that he heard what happened to my roommate and how something is off because that's not even his character. Sitting in the middle of the dining hall was Miss Dream and Casey. They both signaled me to come over and sit with them. Both of them had already heard about Stone, but really wanted to know, was I still coming to Secret Saturday? I was kind of kind of off because of my roommate situation, but I still said I would go. Just as I was walking out of the cafeteria, my phone rang. A message from Roly, we need to meet up ASAP. I never responded, but when I walked back into my dorm room, Roly was already sitting there, sitting down at Stone's computer. How did you get in here? Don't worry about that. Our boy is being lied on. He said, I, I know Ashley for years, and even though he's a kind of odd, but he has never been a drinker, ever. We have to figure out what happened. The day was Friday, and Secret Saturday was the next day. Roly noticed at the time what time it was, and... I'm not going to break tradition for no one. We left the room and walked to the walked to the same frat house we dropped Ethel off at earlier. He was sitting on the porch staring at the traffic. Roly snapped his fingers in front of Ethel's face and he started to look shocked. What is on your mind? It's crazy because I was going to come and find you. Why? I found out what happened to your boy Stone. Roly said what? Ethel overheard Ozzy talking about how him and Doobie set up your roommate with the alcohol bottle. Roly seemed pissed off and he ended up getting some weed and headed back to his apartment. While there, we started to discuss how we were going to fix the situation. That was just a small sample size of my book. Um, I have more of it written down, but just to get you... A little invested into the story, and that's just what I have. Until we meet again, Hazy Adventures.